In association with the Omniverse Comics Guide, this is the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the mega city metropolis of Toronto. I'm your host, Eric Anthony, and this is episode 327. We're going to drop the boom. Four, three... Two, one, boom, we're back. Shane Heron, my guy. How's it going, pal? We're back. (laughs) You get a little more excited each week. The closer we creep to season three of the Seinfeld Chronicles, you get a little more excited. Um, Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I want to say it's not having to do with that, but I mean, these episodes are getting better. Yeah. We're doing Seinfeld season two, everybody. We are now on episodes three and four, the jacket and the phone message. And I got to say, there's, I feel like we're, we're hitting a transition period as we get into these episodes. There are some slow points. There's still some of those, but we're starting to see these characters really unfold, unravel. We're getting to see them more of, of, of the ones that we kind of come to know and love as the show goes on. Yeah, I feel like you actually get to see... In the jacket, you see Kramer still kind of like they still don't know how to like they haven't figured out the the fashion of Kramer yet, and he's still yeah he's walking around in a white t shirt and he's got yeah. the, you know Jerry's jacket huh. uh, and the ball cap again, and then in the the phone message you see he's got the cardigan and the green like almost like vintage looking shirt, and you go oh they're starting to figure out Kramer yeah no it's true it's his, it's, his iconic look yeah. No, it's coming together. Did you? Uh, well, I guess we shouldn't spoil it until we give our giddy ups. But uh, I think we're gonna have some. You know what came to my mind? There's a lot of things that I I don't mention during our our conversations of like our real life Seinfeld scenarios that we could compare to what the characters are going through. And I think this one, there's a couple of things where we can kind of extrapolate from. Or I tried to pay more attention to that this time around because that's where the real humor and the fun is, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we are now with the former champ of Seinfeld trivia in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Challenging once again. When's the date for the next trivia? I don't know. They've been um they 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 said they were going to be doing it once a month and they usually do and then they've been quietly just kind of not announced anything and just quietly took May off. So I don't know. All right. So possibly in June. But Shane is uh, training. It looks like it'll be in June. Yeah. Unless, yeah. I mean, they just like they just didn't announce anything. And then they just recently announced they're doing a friend's trivia. So I'm assuming it'll be very soon. The office and Seinfeld soon. OK. Could you Which do the good. office? More, more time to prepare. Could you do another television show trivia? I thought about it. Like um, a couple of friends of mine, they've gone and done the office one. They're really big. And I love the office, but um I, I I'd really have to like get into it and 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 I I just honestly the it's kind of sad to say I don't feel like I have the bandwidth for any other shows. I get it, man. I don't I know. Need, if- like I'm so I really want to be like a Seinfeld, like a Rain Man, like know <laughs> every line, everything. Like I'm printing out the scripts, I'm reading the scripts, I got the book of scripts. Um, so I, I just I'm like yeah the office would be fun but I'm not really even almost doing this for fun anymore it's almost just <laughs> insane. If you could collect 
Seinfeld stuff, would that be something you would be into collecting? Memorabilia, whatever's associated with the show? I think a little bit like um, I have a few things, but it's like, um, I don't know. Someone gave me one of those like Funko pop figures of Newman. And like, I, I was like, yeah, sure. But I don't want to be a guy that has like a bunch of Seinfeld Funko pop toys. Like, I don't like those. Why not? I, I feel know. once you start, Funko you can't pops stop. Are stupid. Okay. I thought I was the only one who felt that way. Everybody is crazy about Funko pops. I've never bought into the hype of it. I've never bought, purchased one. I think it's because they do everything. There's something. So anything someone is into, there's a Funko Pop for it. So yeah. it's like, oh, like you like Bob Ross. I'll get you a Bob Ross Funko Pop <laughs> or like whatever. Where it's like, I don't think people really like, I mean, I'm sure some people do, but like, I think it's just one of those things where it's like, uh, I guess I don't know what to get them, but they like uh, the Simpsons. I'll get them a Simpsons Funko Pop. I don't know. Like, I think that's what it is. I think the only one I was ever tempted to get, but it's like super expensive, was a Biggie Smalls Funko Pop because it kind of suited him, like the look yes, of a Funko yeah. Pop. But yeah, I'd rather have like an action figure or something. Me too. I would rather have something posable. Like um, I was asking, um, not asking, when people would ask me what they want for my birthday, especially if they're artists, I would always just tell them to draw me a Newman. So I have like Sam Noir's drawn me a Newman, Ricky Lima's drawn me a Newman, and I have a I have a Casey did a Newman when he's uh, on fire in the truck <laughs> when he's uh, oh the humanity and it's yeah, yeah, yeah and then I even got um, Casey and I Casey wanted uh, Casey Parsons who people don't know might know is uh, an artist friend of mine who I work with he. Um, he wanted one of my Hulk drawings that he took and he said he'd, he'd, he'd do something for me. So I asked him for a, he did a really nice, it's like, um, I think it's pastel and paint. Um, it's a, it's Kramer as the pimp with the Technicolor dream coat. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. All, and it's one of my most prized possessions. That's cool. Casey's the right yeah. guy to do stuff like that too. Cause yeah. he could make it like a classic art piece. Yeah. But I don't, I want to be careful. I don't want to be one of those guys that everyone's just getting fucking buying Funko pops for, for Christmas. Cause uh, they don't know what else to get me. It's like, I don't want a bunch of crappy, shitty Seinfeld stuff. What if it was just the main cast and Funko Pops? Would that be all right? No, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want Funko Pops. Like, I yeah. put it on my shelf, but I'm like, I don't want that. I don't want... A lot of people get that for you now, just as a You gag. know what I, I'm, this is my new thing that I'm probably going to go and do today is uh, I decided I'm going to make my own Fusilli Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> of course you would. Of course. I, why not? Why the hell not? Yeah, you should. If you should make success. Maybe I'll make a uh, I'll make a macaroni middler. Or a... <laughs> did they make a macaroni middler? No. Yeah, he gives Bette Midler the macaroni middler. That's right. And he tells George that he's gonna make a, a one for. He says you have to find the a pasta that is um that has the essence of the person. Yeah, yeah. He, he chose you <laughs> silly because Jerry's silly. Silly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, macaroni Mittler, I think literally he just, it's probably the alliteration. alliteration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then he says, George, he goes, I'm working on one for you, George. I'm going to use ravioli, <laughs> which is, it's even funnier because it's like ravioli would have like, it's a pocket with like some like sort of cheese or meat inside that would be rotting. Like it's not, you can't just use ravioli. <laughs> it's true. No, it's a, but it's perfect for George. Oh, that's great. Okay. The episode three, the jacket. This is directed by Tom Sharones, written by Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. Came out on my birthday, February 6th, 1991. Oh. I was seven years old that day. 
Well, this is what was happening on Seinfeld. While shopping with Elaine, Jerry buys an expensive suede jacket. Elaine convinces George and Jerry to meet her father, who has a reputation of being difficult and intimidating. Jerry wears his new jacket when he and George meet Elaine's father. After learning that she's going to be late and coming in, Jerry and George are left alone to have an uncomfortable conversation with her dad. When Elaine arrives, they leave for the restaurant and see that it is snowing. Elaine and George suggest that Jerry turn his new jacket inside out so that it does not get ruined. Elaine's father demands that Jerry not wear the jacket inside out because the lining has pink candy stripes. After they walk a short distance during the snowfall, Jerry's jacket gets ruined. Bum, 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 bum. What the are jacket... you reading? Like, is that off IMDb? What's the, where are you getting your synopsis? This from? one was off of Wikipedia. Was that too long? I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, it's fine. I mean, I don't, I'm not really super worried about, it's not like we're worried about spoilers or anything. It's just like. I realize I'm like, I'm reading this for a long time. Yeah, it kind of just said the whole episode, which is yes. Kind of, Sorry, no, whatever. I don't care. I'm just curious. Whatever we're we're talking about it. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're gonna get into every episode, so let's do it. Um, this episode has uh, the first and only appearance of Elaine's father. I was gonna ask that. Lawrence Tierney. You you know where else he's from? You recognize him from? No. Uh, he's like an old actor, but we recognize him also. He's uh, he's Joe, the the guy in uh, Reservoir Dogs. He's the guy ah, who's there, the whole crew. That's you know, a good. You know, that's Mr. a good Pink. catch. You know, the Brown. That's a good catch. Yeah, that's and good. Do you know anything about this guy? No, I know nothing about him. There's, I I looked it up today because I'd heard like you know, um, like he was supposed to be a recurring character on Seinfeld, and then he was so like wacky and he did some weird shit. They were like uncomfortable. Like they're actually, they thought his performance as uh, the intimidating Alton Bennis is good, but they're actually like really the cast was truly scared of him. Um, Seriously, it kind of happened on, on the Reservoir Dogs set. So on in Reservoir Dogs was filmed after this, but apparently on the Reservoir Dogs set, Tarantino has a story about. He would like, well, if you know that, like, I watched the whole thing about the history. There's actually a book about this guy, Lawrence Tierney. It's like a short book this guy put together. It's just his stories. He was supposed to be like a, he would play gangsters and stuff like that. And he was a good actor and he was, he always played a tough guy. And they wanted him to sort of be like a, you know, the, kind of like the next Humphrey Bogart. But he would always get into like real life fights with people and he like constantly getting arrested all the time. So it like kind of ruined his career. And then he, um, he stopped acting for a while. He moved to France. And then when he came back, he, he lived in New York and he did like construction jobs. He drove like a handsome cab and then he started getting sort of uh, back into doing acting again, but things like this and, and Reservoir Dogs and a few other movies. And he was just like, he was just like really like a guy who would like beat you up and cause trouble and like always getting into fights or getting arrested. So his character was true to form essentially. Yeah. So like, Tarantino told a story about like he kept he kept messing up because Tarantino's uh, dialogue is very like yeah uh, it was re repetitive the stuff he was saying and so Lawrence Tierney kept getting confused and he was like fuck this shit I'm not doing this I, I can't remember the lines and he kept screwing up and then um, Tarantino said he had this habit of when he was talking to him he would just like walk away in the middle of like talking to him and they were almost done filming and he really wanted to so Tarantino kind of grabbed his arm like no no like Lawrence don't walk away like and he's talking to him and then he was like get your fucking hands off me. And he like shoved Tarantino. Tarantino lost it and fired him from the set and like yelled at him in front of everyone. He was like, you're out, you're fired. Get off my fucking set. Everyone clapped because they, they hated him. And then um, apparently they like worked it out after and they talked and then uh, they ended up finishing the movie. 
but it's like that. And then, so the story about Seinfeld was apparently he was supposed to be a recurring, like Jerry's parents or George's parents, he was supposed to kind of recur. And um, there's, apparently he stole things a lot. Um, uh, also another, uh, sorry, another Reservoir Dog story is um, um, uh, Chris Penn, uh, the late Chris Penn. He tells a story that he was out with Lawrence Tierney at a restaurant and Lawrence Tierney just stole a nice vase off the table and just like put it in his jacket and stole it. So then apparently on the Seinfeld set, he was looking at the knife block on Jerry's counter and he just took a butcher knife and he put it in his jacket pocket. And he was like, and everyone kind of saw him do it, but he just acted like, like I'm just taking this knife and I hope no one noticed. So Jerry confronted him. was kind of like, Hey, what do you got in your jacket there? Whatever. And he, he kind of got all like weird. And he, he was like pretending like he was like joking. Like, Oh, I was like, you know, be cool for the character to have a knife. And he like pulled it out. And then he did the like psycho to Jerry. He was like, eh, 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 with a knife. Like, and they were all like, this guy's fucking crazy. So they, ne- they never had him back. Shit. Yeah. He's wild. So the, the, I think that the, the actor, the stories about the actor is like makes the character when you watch this episode so much better. Cause they're so intimidated by him. And you're like, it yeah, definitely does. Yeah. yeah. Like it, Cause there's parts of it where I'm just like, oh come on, guys, just grow up and like talk to the guy, just talk, whatever. Yeah. And I understood the humor to it, but now it actually is like, no, this guy, this actor as well, yeah. really made people feel like this. So this is like true to form. This is pretty accurate. Yeah, if you if you're really interested, there I believe there is a book. Just look Google. There's like a book about Lawrence Tierney, um, or just go on YouTube and put in Lawrence Tierney, and there's like all these stories about him um but yeah it's, he's he's a pretty interesting guy nice well that's a so, nice little factoid to begin with yeah i love that so at the beginning of the episode jerry and elaine are shopping at bo bo's brummel sports store and he he finds the uh the jacket the suede jacket which they never say how much he paid it's just uh you know it's somewhere between like 300 and possibly over a thousand dollars what do you what is your guess I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what Jerry's going for. He's just, I think he's like, there could just be a point where he's just, I'm not going to entertain this question uh, from George, but he's just not answering him. And George just keeps going. If you, if you don't tell me, I'm going to assume you paid over a thousand dollars. And he and just, he, oh, it's so good. Him, Elaine and Kramer all know because Jerry and Elaine see the, the ticket on the jacket. Right. And Kramer sees the Kramer's, ticket. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, this is also, it's like 1990. So, I mean, spending four hundred dollars on a jacket back then is significant. A lot more than spending four hundred dollars on a jacket now. And I but think I have no idea. I don't know what a jacket like that goes for. Yeah. Have Have you ever bought an item that was out of your price range comfort zone, but you're just like, I gotta have it. It's just for me. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter if it's clothing or. But just that yeah, one I thing. I bought like a sweater years ago that like maybe like 10 years ago or something like that. But even still, it was only like a few hundred bucks. It just for me being the cheapskate that I am, that was like, <laughs> that's too much. Like I always have my my cheap Italian father in my head being like, you paid that much for that? Like that's not. <laughs> so I always cheap out on stuff. But um, and I, like I bought a bike that was, I think, like the most I ever bought was like a $600 bike, which. That's not really. That I know people that have $1,000 bikes. So it's not oh, really yeah. that big of a deal, but for me, it was kind of like, eh, I don't want to spend that much. I know I can get a good bike for a hundred bucks in my head. <laughs> what about you? Oh man. I, there's plenty of things that, that 
Oh yeah, plenty of things. Do you have regrets? Do you regret any of them? Um, hmm. I don't think I can think of something I regret. Maybe if I think hard enough, I'll be like, man, that was a waste. But I is should've... there something like Jerry when he has the jacket and then he's at home sitting on the couch and just just wearing it? I know that feeling when you get something in your Yeah, so yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, a new pair of shoes a... or something and you're like... I've, I bought... Uh, when I buy sneakers, I, I do enjoy buying sneakers that, you know, I wouldn't have bought as a younger person, but yeah. I buy them now. I'm a grown up and I'll wear them around the house before I wear them outside. Like I'll feel sometimes I've podcasted in a new pair of Jordans just to work them in. Really? Yeah. yeah okay. You know, just, I, I mean, have a, I have like a brand new pair of like really nice classic Reeboks there in my closet. I bought them months ago. And I just I'm like, well, I'm not going to wear them in the spring when they're going to get all muddy. So I'm just like. I don't know when I'm going to wear them, but they're like crisp, brand new pair. But I'm like, I'm not even wearing them in the house. They're just, they're just sitting in the closet in a shoebox. Yeah. I mean, when I bought, when I bought my uh, heart foundation jacket, I spent probably more than I would have liked to with all the shipping and handling and all that nonsense. But I love wearing it. And yeah, it always, there's always that certain outfit or certain pair of shoes that when you're put together well for the moment of what you're whatever you're doing you approach yeah. it with a little bit more confidence it's it is a thing so you could definitely see why like jerry feeling this jacket it's like i don't know if i'll ever get something that fits me that just feels like it's for me yeah yeah, yeah. my friends have bought um we went to a ufc when it first came to toronto my buddy just wasted drunkenly paid like 450 bucks for a replica ufc belt it yeah. looks just like one of the UFC balls. Yeah. And I remember the time being like, his wife was with him. And I'll just be like, I can't believe we spent that. But then we go to his house and we'd all get drunk and like try wearing it. And you're like, this is a pretty good purchase. It's yeah. Good purchase. <laughs> that belt, like it feels like a real belt. I, I did want to buy the uh, classic WWF championship belt with the Eagle from the 90s. Yeah. I would, I would love to have that on like a mantle or something, but. Then what? The, the, my, buddies, I have, my buddies have one actually. Yeah, they like awesome. went in together and bought it. They have that exact belt. That's the best looking belt. I think so. I, I I have the fondest memories of that belt, even though the the big Ric Flair, like the one that goes up to your chest, the NW yeah. with the NWO spray paint. I mean, that's pretty classic. But for me, growing up, I, I that WWF belt was the one. WWF, not E. I know I'm making a mistake. That's how I remember it. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even just being a, a comic book fan and, and buyer of books, like there's been times where I'm like, man, why did I buy that book? Because this isn't a cheap hobby. Like even if you're buying a comic book for a discount, it's going to be more expensive than a novel. Right. And you'll probably read yeah. it 10 times faster. So it's always going to be an expensive purchase. Right. So there's been times where I'm just like, oh, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to think about what I spent on that book. But yeah, there's been times where I've, it was expensive, but it was worth it. That's for sure. What, what? So what was the sweater for you? Where was that sweater from? Oh, I don't know. It was just when I was younger and stupid. It was like an Armani sweater. An Armani suit, Jerry. <laughs> Armani, Jerry. I'm actually, um, the since we're on the topic of jackets, I'm, I'm going to probably buy an eight ball jacket to wear to Seinfeld Trivia like Putty. Um, I haven't figured out which one yet, but there's a lot of them. But I, I'm definitely, I think I'm going to buy a, they have more like windbreakery looking ones, but it looks just like the eight ball jacket. I, I'm definitely going to buy something like this. That's great for, for trivia. I love David Putty. Can't, I can't wait. 
I can't wait for those episodes. He's the best. Okay. Well, he, um, we're a while away. He doesn't show up till uh, the end of season six. Yeah, it's a long ways away. But speaking of the jacket, it's got it's it's mentioned. It's got that pink that pink lining on the inside, pinstripe. Yeah. Um, candy pinstripe. What is there? So, is there ever been an item that you wanted, but there was one feature on it that made you be like, ah? Oh, but it's got that thing. I think I think I've had something very similar to Jerry. Like it was like a sweater or jacket with a weird lining inside. But no, yeah, that's about it. Really, not. yeah. It, it it can make or break it, but he loves this thing so much that he's overlooking like, ah, it's on the inside. Who cares? But, you know, just because of that comment, it's got to come back. Well, it's also so new that like he's probably going to get it switched out, but he he wears it out to the first thing he does and uh, it gets ruined. Yeah, it's, that's the thing, right? That's the other thing, too, is you're so excited to wear that item that you're almost you're willing to do it and take a chance just because you're so excited. Yeah. Um. Whose reaction to the price of the jacket is the best? Whose is your favorite? Because you got all three of them. Like Elaine is saying, you can't buy this. It's not, don't even bother. Kramer's got the surprise look, whereas George is just. No, George is the best. The, that, I mean, that's classic Costanza. That's a really good Costanza moment for me. One of the like iconic ones where it's like, uh, he loves it. What yeah. does he say? He goes, uh, um, an unblemished record of I have an unblemished record of staunch heterosexuality, but I must say it's fabulous. <laughs> yeah. He goes, I'm not gonna even ask how, how much it costs, and then immediately just what'd you pay for it? And then yeah, uh, 300, 400. You paid you don't tell me you paid over 700 for this, and he just like freaks out. That's amazing. Yeah, that's uh, I love it. Jerry yeah, doesn't say anything for that entire sequence, it's just George, and I love and I feel like he paid close to a thousand dollars because he's embarrassed to comment. Yeah. But I also like that. He, he enjoys seeing George spin his tires. And George, when he like any, I'm walking out of here thinking you paid a thousand dollars. And then he even walks back in You over a thousand. You paid over a thousand. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a great buildup from all three of them having there. Cause you're now the whole time questioning it as you watch Elaine and then you see Kramer's look. What do you think of Kramer being such a mooch? Is that classic I mean, Kramer? Yeah, that's classic Kramer. But he's also, he's very pushy in this one where it's like, you know, when Jerry has his old jacket. Yeah. And he's like, when Kramer's looking at it and he, Kramer kind of pulls it away from him, like it's mine now. Yeah. Uh, but I do love, I mean, for some reason, Jerry has a full length mirror in his living room, which you like never see again. But um when him and Kramer are both standing in the mirror looking at their, their new jackets, that's pretty funny. It's it's the, it's funny because it looks like exactly the same jacket. Just one is leather, one is suede. It's like Jerry upgraded. Yeah. Little, little signs of his uh, success as a comedian, right? He can yeah. spoil himself every now and then. Like his... uh, It makes the joke so much funnier, too, when Kramer's just kind of like, well, too bad you gave me this one. And he's Jerry <laughs> to go back to wearing that, like, I don't know, what is that? Like an old, like, Letterman? Varsity, jacket, yeah. Varsity jacket, yeah. <laughs> uh and that's and it's such a great tell right that he puts that jacket on at the end because you realize it's like things didn't go well for his new best friend the jacket <laughs> right he's back in some varsity jacket and kramer's styling and profiling um, i mean they never say how much the jacket costs but i wonder if anyone's ever because in so many episodes jerry loses out like that where it's like he paid this money for a jacket his jacket's ruined he gives it to kramer he's also giving kramer his old jacket it's like I wonder if anyone's ever gone through the episodes and tried to figure out how much money Jerry's 
lost throughout the entire series. You, th- there you go. You could do that. I'm not going to do that. That's I can't do that. The, the numbers bore me. Okay. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> George having a song stuck in his head in this one from Le Miserable. Do you remember how the Master, song goes? Master of the house. Doling out the, what is it? Doling out the charm. <laughs> do you know Le Mis? I don't, I don't, I, I mean, I know of it. I never, I'm not a musical guy. I remember at that time it being that in the Phantom of the Opera, everybody was going to watch it. And those songs were being played in people's houses, like on record. It was pretty yeah. common. But I don't remember it that well. When you get a song stuck in your head, how do you, what, what's your way of getting it out? Do you just try singing a new one? What's the, I just do exactly what George did. I just go crazy. You keep singing it over and over again. What's the most annoying song that gets caught in your head? Oh, I, I have no idea. How about, how about Adana Lewis? That one hit wonder. Adana Lewis? Yeah. Once you hear, if I sing it, it'll get caught in your head. So I won't. Oh, you know what it is? Actually, yeah. I'm realizing now one that always does it because um, every week at where I work, the DJ always plays it is the uh, Toxic by Britney Spears. Yeah, that's one of those. That one gets in my head for a little bit. Yeah, that that's uh, that Spice Girls, those type of songs get caught in your head. Yeah. What? Uh, so they're going to meet Elaine's father, Alton Bennis, who is a famous writer. Yes. Um, Renowned. George mentions he's a he's a big fan of the book Fair Game. Mm-hmm. It was That's dribble, the, dribble, the some parts, what parts? Uh, they're meeting him at the hotel. Kramer comes in and he asks them just as they're about to leave. Kramer asks them to do a do a solid. Yeah, and uh, wait in the car for two minutes while he goes and gets. Uh, I mean, this is the first time it happens, but uh, there's there's some doves that come back later. Yeah, he's a magician friend. Yeah, he's got some doves he's gonna look after. I like the do me a solid because this is. Uh, I feel like it's a pretty, like that's not an uncommon thing to say now. Like do me a solid, but way I think back, back then, then I feel like, it was. I feel like Kramer might have invented do me a solid. I was gonna ask that because I say do me a solid. I say it a lot, but I got it from Kramer. If I'd I'm honest, to, I've never done a solid before. <laughs> that's what that's where I thought it was like, is that some sort of new term that is n- not common? What is it? Vernacular, colloquial, whatever it is, right? Like it's I mean, I we were kids when this came out, but I yeah. feel like I, I don't know of anyone saying that before that Kramer might have invented it. That might have invented it right there. Have you ever done somebody a solid that you regretted? All the time. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, I can't give specific examples. I regret everything. <laughs> That's the thing is that catching you give the specific examples. Like, do I actually want to say when it was? But yeah, I regret uh, every time I agree to do anything. <laughs> me too. I, like, I um, there's a line in this episode that I think is literally it's it rings so true to me. Where they're going to meet Alden Bennis and George goes. I don't think there's ever been an appointment in my life where I wanted the other guy to show up. <laughs> I like I 100% agree with that. It's true, right? I mean, I enjoy doing my podcast with my friends, but there are times where it's like, oh, I made plans. Maybe a night to yourself wouldn't be the worst thing, but it's like, why? What's the like? Why can't it's just true when you make plans and the other person cancels and you're like so relieved? It's the best. It's. <laughs> I know how to make your night next time we have a get together. 
Sorry, um, Shane. Forget it. Yeah, when people are like, oh my God, sorry, I can't make it. I'm like so relieved, so happy. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> Good to know. So next time we get together in person, I'll know how much you're hating it. You would have just rather me canceled on you. I love when they're talking about Master of the House and, and Jerry goes, <laughs> uh, well, you know, Schumann went mad from that. And then Artie <laughs> Schumann from Camp Hatchapi? <laughs> That whole sequence is great. And he goes, no, you idiot. What do you call me an idiot for? What are you, Bud Abbott? (laughs) Who's Bud Abbott? That I didn't look up. For Abbott and Costello. Oh, okay. Okay, 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 okay. (laughs) They do a lot. He always, they reference like Abbott and Costello or the the Stooges or uh, Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, he does. Jerry's a fan of all that in real life, right? He always brings that stuff up. Yeah, I love that. What are you, Bud Abbott? (laughs) 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 It was a real interaction between friends that that the the dialogue and the way he delivered it to jerry was good i feel like this is really george becoming george yeah and uh even the where he goes no robert schumann the composer and he goes oh oh schumann <laughs> <laughs> it, no it, it was a good it was a good interchange i liked it for sure <laughs> schumann <laughs> on. Artie schumann from where what camp was it camp hatchapi they, I bet you that's a trivia question. That's that's great. I love that Camp Hatchby. I love the uh, like they've been friends for so long. Like obviously they say later that they met in like high school or I think junior high. They met in junior high on the in gym class. But I mean they could have gone to Camp Hatchby together. Yeah, why not? Yeah, <laughs> in junior high is kind of like when you stop going to camp, right? Like when you're a teenager, you don't go to camp for so much. But no, I, I don't know. What did you go to camp growing up? Yeah, I went to camp. I, I never to, did. Uh, camp Columbus. How long were you there for? They would. We would just go for two weeks in the summer. Okay. Like did you like it? Like, I I liked it as I got older. I didn't like it. when I, when you're younger, you get bullied and stuff. You don't feel like you can. Uh, there's so much bigger kids around you all the time, and it's. And then as you get older, you become the bigger kids, and not bullying so much, but like you you don't get bullied so. Um, yeah, I, I I always enjoyed camp. I love I love doing the outdoor stuff. Like, um, I was just kayaking like for two weeks, basically. Oh, that's great. How- I was like, I feel like people who were grew up. The only people I know who like other people who went to camp were people that were like financially better off. Whereas we were actually so poor, we got like my mom found a way that we could go to camp for free because we were we we're poor. <sighs> <laughs> so did they ever bully you because of that? No, 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 everyone in my camp was poor. It was like a poor camp. But like, <laughs> it was it was like the Knights of Columbus. It was called Camp Columbus. And it was like the Knights of Columbus like sponsored it or whatever. So somehow we got I got to go to camp for free, or maybe my mom paid a very small fee or whatever, but it wasn't like you know, and you see in the movies, camp movies, it's always like you know, Jewish camp or like uh, fat camp or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. These people are all like financially better off than I certainly was growing up. Got you. Well, I'm happy you enjoyed it and that the bullying stopped when you didn't bully anybody at your camp. What was it called again? What was their camp? Columbus. Uh, camp Columbus. What was Jerry and George's? Hatchapi. Hatchapi. I'm always going to say they that cut, now. They shut, they shut down my camp because uh, I was reading about it recently. Maybe last year. I was like, whatever happened to Camp Columbus? Uh, <laughs> I think they I think they shut it down because uh, some, some kids got molested or something. Oh, God. Yeah, something Jesus. like that. Which, well, I mean, happy. it did seem like if you were uh, 
you're a pedophile, it might be a, a good place to, to, to molest kids. I don't know. There was a, it was also a Catholic camp too. So like, that's not surprising. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately back to happy thoughts. Um, where were we in the episode? We were at uh, they're, they're leaving. Uh, Kramer wants them to watch the the doves for yeah, the solid. But they they turn them down and they uh they they go to meet Alton Bennis at um, Hotel Westbury at eight, 8 p.m. That's another trivia question for sure. Yeah, and um, Elaine is uh, supposed to meet them there, but she's not there yet. She's they and then they they. He's so immediately intimidating, Alton Bennis, that they look like they sit on that couch and they look like lost little children. Yeah. They look like they're in trouble at the principal's office. Like the the innocence, even their face, like George is balding. He's clearly a man, <laughs> but he like they just look like little kids. You could see, yeah, you could see the 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 scaredy cats in them come out from like middle school. Like you yeah. you, you knew who they were. <laughs> But even the um like when they order, like yeah, Alton, yeah. Alton Bennis orders like a scotch with ice, and then like George orders like a club soda, no ice, and Jerry gets a cranberry juice with two limes. Two limes. <laughs> the face Bennis makes when he, they order those drinks, just like who the fuck are these fucking guys? <laughs> Honestly, I thought they would they would try to to drink something to impress him, but they didn't even bother. They just went yeah. with whatever they enjoy, like cranberry juice. Ice, two limes. I wonder if that tastes good. It looked good. It looked refreshing. Cranberry and juice with two limes? Yeah, it's cranberry juice, though. Cranberry juice on its own? That's like that's a weird drink to order. It's just like bitter. You don't like cranberry juice? I like tart. It's like tart. Yeah, you I like, like cranberry juice with other things, no? What's your favorite cranberry juice combination? I don't know. I don't drink a lot of cranberry juice. <laughs> like, like if you order like a cranberry vodka, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just a cranberry good. juice by itself? Like, what do you have, yeah. the UTI? No, I just enjoy it. <laughs> I guess so. Do you drink cranberry cocktail or cranberry juice? Uh, cranberry cocktail is like, it's like a blend of juices. You're right. Sugar. I, I think it's a cocktail, but I get one that's a with sevia, no sugar in it. So it's not as sweet. It's got a little bit of the tart, but it's it's a little bit more. You're, you're right. It's not as punchy, but... <laughs> I bought the legit, like that real cranberry juice, and it's like not even sweetened. It's just, it's so fucking tart. Maybe you need two limes. Maybe that's yeah, the key. Two limes that'll that'll sweeten it up. <laughs> <laughs> I just, there I love, his face. I love his face when they order those drinks. Just kind of like, oh my god, these fucking pussies. And then hey, even me- George, George tries to do his normal like geeky banter where he does the like. You like ice. <laughs> and Dennis is just not having it. It's like, what? what are you talking about? <laughs> and then he gets it. He gets so excited about the weather conversation because it's an opening. But I'm just thinking to myself, like, is it that hard to talk to this guy? I guess if you're intimidated by like, anything. Not that comes been, out of I've definitely been with guys like this where it's like you try to make some chit chat to break the awkwardness and it just goes nowhere. Like talk about the he, weather and just. I don't need a guy to tell me the weather. I just look out the window. <laughs> do you do you remember interactions like that, where it was just like I don't know, I don't know what we just did here. Like, how do I even have a conversation with this guy or woman? Um, yeah, I think um, when I was younger, I definitely like I've been I've felt like the way they feel in this kind of sitting on a couch, feeling intimidated by an older guy, someone who I don't know, you're just intimidated. But I feel like as I get older, I just um, I'm, I'm Are like, you this guy now? 
No, well, I would like to think I'm not. I'm, I'm at least <laughs> have some fun. <laughs> I do like to be miserable, but I, not that miserable. That doesn't seem. He just seems angry as hell. But um, like I feel like as I get older, like I just don't put myself in those type of situations anymore. Like this, like if if someone like Elaine was like, "Oh, come to dinner with my dad," I'm like, "There's no way I'm going to dinner with your dad who I don't know who's this intimidating guy. No chance." Yeah, especially since they they've already met him or Jerry has at least. Where, no, I don't think Jerry's met him before. He hasn't. I don't. What What makes you think that? You think that they? I thought in the interaction at the beginning when they're in the the department store, where Jerry's like, you know, do I have? She goes, well, you said you would. I thought he said he's so intimidating. I thought there was some sort of. He says he's intimidating because he's a really great writer. Oh, he's like he uh he prefers the company of nitwits. Yeah, right, and that's why they didn't stay together. (laughs) Uh, I, I I don't know why I had the impression that Jerry had interacted with him before. No, because even Bennis goes, he goes, oh, who's the funny guy here? Right, right, right. Not on the comedian. That's right. We had a funny guy with us in a Korea, tail gunner. They blew his brains out all over the Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. He did. He hasn't met Jerry. Okay. See, this is where it's getting, they're figuring out how, remember we talked about before in the previous episodes where, uh, it would be very like awkward or annoying for them to be around these people, but it wasn't funny for the audience. Whereas now it's like, this is a very awkward situation and it's not fun for them, but it's funny for us to watch them. They're, they're right. figuring out how to make that work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's this the is, they're, they're running into the bathroom that. and uh, we can't go back out there. I'm not going <laughs> back out there. What, yeah. is, what is that? He tells, he tells George, he goes, what are we going to say? He goes, tell them that we're frightened and we have to leave. <laughs> He'll, he'll knock our heads together like Mo. There you go. There's the the no, there's stooges. stooges. There. there you go. Okay. Yeah. No, it is. It is. They're starting to get the gears together with interactions like this, where you're. It's it's becoming humorous to see them uncomfortable as opposed to feeling uncomfortable yeah, with yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like when George comes back with the like the lie and he like who'd you call and he's like uh, my uncle. Uh, he just he was had an operation. I want to see how he's doing. What kind of operation? <laughs> uh, bone marrow. <laughs> I love watching George try to. He puts himself in a lie, and then it's he's trying to figure out how to get out of it. Yeah, the best. Um, what was I going to ask you? I had a question lined up, and now I forgot. Continue, Shane. I don't know their face. I love their faces when. I mean, we're I'm watching on Netflix, but you can tell it's right when they cut to commercial is like. He gets the message from Elaine. She's going to be here in 30 minutes and their faces are just terrified. Like we're not doing another 30 minutes with this guy. It's brutal. <laughs> and when she finally shows up, the the incredulousness of George and Jerry, like how could you possibly do this to us? But it's the perfect it's the perfect reason. And it's yeah. It's the great. It's good how they're now also like doing those callbacks to introducing something at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, that's a through line. But then Kramer's solid is what makes all of this go down. Like their lives are starting to intertwine a little bit more cohesively for storytelling purposes. Yeah, Elaine. Elaine was waiting in the car for twenty minutes for Kramer. Then uh, uh, the <laughs> he got his car towed. He got his car towed. Then he owes thousands in tickets. Then they. Got- <laughs> He was getting the see what I love in this is so he goes, it took so long because Kramer is getting special instructions about the dove's diet. <laughs> Each dove has a specific diet. 
And then later he comes <laughs> to, uh, to Jerry's for he's got to feed the doves. He goes, you got any of those mini Ritz crackers? <laughs> this is like, there's no special diet. He doesn't care about that. And the, the, the funny part is that I'm surprised that I actually do. Yeah. Um, I like that. A lot. Um, um, I gotta say, also... uh, Elaine is very good at retelling a story that you didn't yeah. see, but she's such a she the, as a character, she's so good at painting the picture. I mean, I know it's in the script, but I think Julia Louis Dreyfus is is masterful at adding the action and the the gestures and all of it, like the facial expressions. Yep. You can totally see Kramer doing all of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's so good. She's great. She's amazing. Yeah. Even when they don't give her much to do, she yeah. she still makes it something worth listening to. And that's all they've done a lot with Elaine these past couple of episodes is just giving her like a story to tell at her apartment. But you never see it. You know what's I just noticed in this episode that I I, and I never put it together. But so do you remember in, in season three, the episode The Stranded, where George goes home with the girl from his office and Elaine and Jerry are stranded on at the party and waiting for Kramer to pick them up out on Long Island. Right. Yeah. And they have uh, signals for each other when they get stuck in bad conversations, they're patting their heads and stuff. Like that. <laughs> and in that episode, uh, Elaine tells the guy, she goes, I'm reading manuscripts for pen and publishing. And Jerry comes by and he goes, pendant, those bastards. And it's a callback to this episode where she says, That's right. Manuscripts. He goes, pendant, those bastards. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good catch. Yeah. And that would make that joke actually more funny if you remember what they're referring to. I always remember Jerry saying it and laughing because it's just funny to say that. But I was Random. Like, oh, literally calling back to this episode. Yeah, that's the one place it was said. And the guy who said it now, there's a history to it. Yeah. It's a good piece of trivia. Yeah. Nice. Um, uh, go ahead. There's. I found an inconsistency in the, the continuity of, of it. Okay. Um, in Babu's restaurant in the cafe episode. Jerry convinces uh, Babu to um, change his restaurant to all Pakistani. Right. And then Jerry's telling himself how great he is, you know, his internal dialogue, how he's a wonderful man. And then he says in his head, he goes, but I, of course, I've never tried Pakistani food. In this episode, they go to Pakistan. says, we're going to a Pakistani restaurant on 46. So they went and ate at a Pakistani restaurant. So Jerry's had Pakistani food before. Maybe he forgot. I, yeah okay sure I, don't, I, I just feel like that's saying consistency for him to say literally say i've never had it before and literally in an episode they went to a restaurant unless he he didn't eat for some reason because he was upset about his jacket or maybe because they were what did he say to what did uh, elaine's dad say to them or can you not take the heat like something oh, about yeah. something about can you handle the spice or something like that yeah maybe maybe they refused to eat any of it because of that who knows? I know, Maybe. But I, I would still say that Jerry. I agree. I agree. I agree. It's a I little. I mean, it's just a little inconsistencies with with continuity. Which I mean, any any show has uh, errors like that, right? That. Do you when, when do you remember? Because I feel that when I watch Seinfeld, there's value in reoccurring characters. But there was a time where sitcoms where it was like you can jump in at any episode and catch up pretty quick. When do you feel that? it became important to know what was going on. For me, I feel maybe as a young person, it was maybe friends where you saw like, if you missed a couple episodes, you could be really out of the loop with the sitcom. Do you feel like Seinfeld? So I think Seinfeld escaped that. 
I think yeah, I watch. think with Seinfeld, there's definitely like continuity where you know they'll mention something from a previous episode that happened, like um, uh, like you know Susan was thrown up on by Kramer, you know, like that type of thing. They'll re- re- mention in the future, but it, it's not important if you haven't seen it. Like it doesn't. Right. So I feel like they're pretty good at that. Like, I feel like you can turn on any episode and as it's long as you, alone. even if you don't know the dynamic of like, they always, they even say it a lot of the time where Jerry and Elaine were like, when people assume they're dating, they'll be like, we used to date. We don't do that anymore. Or something like that. Like, I feel like you, you, you get it. You're like, there's just a bunch of friends four friends that are, lying and deceiving and manipulating people and i don't think you need to know much more than that that's it yeah it's it the best way to do it i agree yeah there's something about that that makes even stuff that is of its time like very dated because of technology for instance it still makes it work because you could just pick up any episode and it's not the seinfeld kind of escapes that continuity thing. you forgive it i yeah, guess i mean like so say even like um episode uh, the first episode of season eight where they're at Susan's funeral or like at her gravestone. I mean, all you need to know is his fiance died. Like you're, yeah. you're caught up pretty quick. You don't, you don't have to know the whole story or who she was. It's yeah. yeah, it's true. So there's another continuity slip up. Shane caught it. Those yeah. bastards. There's also a little like goofy error. Did you notice when they're getting out of the law, lo- they're walking out of the lobby and, uh, George is singing Les Mis again. And, uh, he says, pipe down, chorus boy. <sighs> they, they cut a, to a close-up of George, and he, he kind of mouths like, chorus boy, like he's offended. But George isn't wearing his glasses there. And then they cut back, and he's wearing his glasses again. Huh. No, I didn't catch that. If you rewatch it, it's just like we're weirdly out of place. You just cut, and you go, he's not wearing his glasses. And then they cut back. It's just a little minor like error, but I don't know why they would shoot it at all without him wearing his glasses. Unless True. he just took them off for a second and forgot to put them on. I don't know. Wow, good catch. Okay. Um, this was- uh, uh, episode, I didn't know yeah. this. I did some research on it. Um, Alton Bennis is actually based on a man named Richard Yates who wrote Revolutionary Road. Okay. Uh, he, uh, Larry David dated his daughter, Monica. And okay. The, his jacket was ruined in the same way. It actually happened. Was it candy stripe on the inside? Uh, they didn't. I didn't oh, okay. get into that detail, but apparently he he wore like a suede jacket that got ruined. Um, and the dad like when they were walking down the street after meeting the dad or whatever, which is I think I didn't I didn't I mean I know a lot of them are based on real stories, but it's hard to know. It's like they just make this up, but I think that's pretty cool that this like literally <laughs> happened to Larry David. Yeah, you know it, it. And I feel like so much of these little moments in the show. You'd be surprised at which ones were like, hey, that actually happened to us. But yeah, this definitely seems like a Larry David thing. I could see this in Curb as a as a bit as well. Yeah, I do like the 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 sort of epilogue of um, Elaine kind of just saying like to Jerry, like, yeah, dad really liked you. He, he doesn't like anyone. And uh, uh, he reminds you, he said he reminds you, you remind him of a guy from Korea. <laughs> he, he goes, he thinks George is gay. Why? <laughs> no, he just thinks everyone's gay. <laughs> And then the cut to Lawrence Tierney driving down the road singing Master of the House. <laughs> that was good. I thought that was a really good like uh, bookend for the, the story. Yeah, no, it was well done. Well put together. Um, giddy up time. Okay, yeah. I actually haven't considered. Um, you go first. Let me figure out what I, what I would give this. 
this one's this one's solid. It's got a lot of good bits. It's got a lot of. I'd give it a six point five. Yeah, I'm same. I was just writing six point five. Like I'm close to saying seven, but close. I'm close to. I want to give it some room because there's some really really great episodes that are just boom 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 later down the road. So I don't want to. Uh, I feel like it devalues it if I give this a seven. But this, yeah, this one's really solid. It's uh one of the best made episodes thus far, as far as the storyline, how they tie certain things in, little bit. Like it's it's simple because this is again mostly taking place at the hotel. Like there isn't that much set change in this one, and the majority of the episode is is them at the hotel with just sitting on the couch with the dad, and the little shenanigans that take place. They bring it all together really well at the end, and the jokes hit really good. Yeah, so I, I was mean, tempted to seven. Yeah, the last episode, the pony remark, and then this one, I'm starting to actually, I'm enjoying watching these. Yes, it's getting to that. Whereas point a lot where... of season one, aside from like male and bonding, I'm not really enjoying them. There's little jokes here and there that I find amusing, but I'm, I'm, it's almost torturous to watch how uncomfortable and weird that all these characters are. Yeah, it's 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 the pilot season. It's not even a pilot episode. It feels like a pilot season where they're just making stuff to see what could stick yeah but uh yeah 6.5 giddy ups i liked it yeah. we're, we're we're even on that i agree okay the phone message i'm gonna find a better synopsis this time shorter one use the imdb ones they're usually yeah. succinct they're, this one's succinct i wonder how succinct the uh the jacket one was but for the phone message episode four season two George leaves several awkward awkward messages on a girlfriend's answering machine, then decides to seal the tape. <laughs> That's it. It's very succinct. Uh, let's see what the jacket one. Can I read the jacket one just to compare? The jacket one is it's like, it's literally like a sentence. <laughs> yeah. Jerry wears an expensive jacket when he meets Elaine's father, but an argument ensues when Jerry is reluctant to wear it outside during snowfall. All right. I think that's good. I mean, yeah, there could be bad. a little bit more, but I think that's fine. Yeah, I think this one has... This one really does is built around the tape, though. The phone, like it, it yeah, are other it, part I mean, portions. We're gonna get into it, so these really like one sentence synopsis are good, but I think, yeah, like, they don't mention Jerry's story. Jerry has his own little story here, too, right? yeah. But this is good because the phone message is the first episode that George they've mentioned George having you know issues with other women and and, and he's dating and Elaine, the same thing. This is the first time you actually see two split stories where Jerry and George are on separate dates and you see what's going on with each of them. Every episode to this point has just been all focused around what Jerry's doing. If Jerry's not there, there's no story. Now right. you can see George on his own. You're right. And then eventually and you see Kramer on his own or Elaine on their own, right? I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure I'm I'm wrong about this, but this is in the last episode. Everybody was in the same apartment at the end of the episode, right? Uh, yep, yeah. But in this one, midway through the episode, everybody is interacting at some point, which is still not that common yet. And I kind of take note of that because I'm just like, okay, George, Jerry, and Kramer are together, and then it's Elaine. Like it's never all four. I don't know if yeah. it's just because of the writing or or chemistry yet, but this time they all converge in the apartment in the middle of the episode, which is which is fun. It's getting it's starting to get really, really fun. And the the Kramer being a neighbor, like coming in and out of the apartment yeah. at odd times, it comes 
comes even together nicely. George, George just like coming yeah. right in when he's in there with a girl, just not even acknowledging, like, um, you know, that's the whole setup. Like, um, I mean, it's all based on Larry David and Kenny Kramer in real life, who Kramer would actually just come in and they would go in and out of each other's apartments all the time. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, I like it. I like this episode. I think I like this episode more than I thought I did originally. Yeah, this one, the one thing about this episode is that it is dated. Like cassette tapes and answering machines, this wouldn't really be a plot anymore, right? It would I mean the whole series, there's a lot of answering machine bits and <laughs> really is. There really there's, is. There's a lot of checking your messages. Like nobody even check I haven't checked my voicemail in over 10 years. I can can I just say I hate leaving voice messages. Like yeah. I just don't like doing it. And I don't, I don't like I don't I haven't done it in over a decade. I'll send a voice message over like WhatsApp to just say like, yeah, this and this and this and this, like I have on my mind. But when it's leave a message, you got to like come up with this whole plot line of how to keep it together. You ever receive a funny voice message in your life? What do you mean? Like somebody so, who leaves a message for you. I had I had a friend who used to leave a message. Actually funny, like he's doing like comedy. No, no, just funny the way that they would leave messages. Oh yeah, okay, I guess. Yeah. So I had one friend of mine. He, uh, his first language was was Spanish, so he had a, a Hispanic accent when he left the message. But he would always say, "Hey Eric, how are you? That's good. I'm doing okay." Like he would always have the conversation that didn't happen. Yeah. It was yeah, very cute. It was very sweet because it was it was. You if you knew the person, you're like he means that, but it's so funny to hear it on your phone. It's like I didn't say anything. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, I just like, um I still have a voicemail with my package because it's like a free voicemail where you get three voicemails and then it's full. But I just have it because I don't pay for it or anything like that. But I wouldn't pay for a voicemail at this point. No. But I haven't checked my voicemail, and I swear to God, over ten years. And um, my dad, who's passed now, but he would always um. The only reason I would check it is because it would be my dad. He would always leave me voicemails and uh, he would, he hated texting. So my dad would leave me three voicemails and I would, I would tell him, I'm like, you don't have to leave a voicemail. I can see that you call, I'll just call you back. Like, but he would leave a voicemail and then he would leave three and my voicemail would be full. And then he'd text me going, your voicemail is full. I don't like texts. <laughs> and I would tell him, I go, dad, I don't check my voice. I don't even know my password to my voicemail. Like it, I don't, uh, Anytime I it says it. I have a voicemail, I I don't I don't never check it. If you leave me a voicemail, I will not hear it. Good to know. All right, don't leave, don't he won't he won't get back to you. Just text just him. text me or email me. Like that's this is the world we're living in now. But yeah, I, I I literally was only checking it for my dad just to be like, all right. And you know what his voicemails were? My dad. It was, hey, it's your dad. Call me back. That's it. Yeah, it's like I I know that I saw that. Call you back. <laughs> Oh, technology and the parents. Yeah. So there's a lot of answering this whole episode. This, so we talked about this briefly on the last episode. This episode was written. I think this might be a really good episode because they had to write it so fast. They came up, they canceled a, an episode that they were going to do. And Jerry and uh, Larry had to come up with something in two days. They wrote this episode. And I guess that's why they, they made more use of George, right? Because if you were going to yeah. just make a big plot about Jerry, like this was a good way to split the time between characters and just give them too many stories that kind of converged. Well, apparently, um, from what I've read, this is a, this actually happened to Larry David. He had to do this. 
it's just all based on his reality. Like, but um, what a character! What a beauty that guy is. Oh, he's amazing. He's a genius. Um, it's funny because when when Seinfeld was on, nobody really like you'd see Larry David or you hear his voice, but until Curb Enthusiasm, well after Seinfeld was done, we didn't know what Larry David really looked like. We we knew he like, but I I thought it was heavier. I thought it would have been more like Seinfeld writing more of it and but larry david's like like i'd say he's probably like at least 50 percent of it if not more like of of what made seinfeld a success well when you watch when i watch curb i can see the reality show take of what the show is right watching someone who we know is a celebrity but it it, it just feels like seinfeld bits reworked but almost like, ah, I could see where if this was what happened in his life, I can see how that got yeah. turned into a bit because it's just the sensibilities are, are constantly there. But yeah, I realized like later once like Larry David left uh, after season seven. So seasons eight and nine are like just ridiculous and cartoonish almost. They're, they're almost yeah. like Bugs Bunny characters walking around. Yeah. And I can I get it now where I go back and realize and I'm like. Yeah, because I've heard how about Larry David would go, no, no, we're not doing that. That's too, no, that wouldn't happen. Kramer wouldn't do that. We're not going to do that. And I feel like they really needed that voice of Larry going like, no, like we're not going to do a Merv Griffin set. You know what I mean? Even though it's funny, it's just like, I feel like Larry David wouldn't have let that happen or something like that. I know those seasons, The I like those episodes, but I know them also like the least because it is so like zany. Yeah, it's constant scene change. Bow, bow, bow. It's yeah. constantly happening, and it's it, it. You do feel like okay, the show is just so big; it could do whatever it wants. That's where we're yeah, at yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like you really do realize you're like, oh, Larry David was a big like. Um, I was just listening to a thing about um, you know, in the episode The Race in season six, where Jerry races. Love that. One of my favorite. So apparently, Jerry came out and he was wearing. We all know the scene where Jerry's wearing like a sweatshirt and like jogging pants. Apparently he came out in like a racing, like a runner's like tight, like spandexy, like jogging outfit. And they were like, and they all just were like, no, it's not going to work. It's not funny. And like Larry David just went over to Jerry and just went, no. And he just told her to go around. And he wouldn't change into like more Jerry-esque clothes. And I'm like, that's what you need. You need the Larry David to just go, no, we're not doing that. No, that doesn't work. That's yeah. not funny. Yeah. Sometimes that person just for what you're working on, they've got, they've got it locked. They know yeah. you need that brain trust. No, it's true. I agree. Okay, um, so this episode, they're in monks. They start, and George is talking about how he's nervous to he, this girl, Carol. Uh, he's yeah. nervous to ask her out. He doesn't know what to do. And a guy, Lloyd, from his office. At first, I thought it might be Lloyd Braun, but it's yeah, not. that's what I thought too. He's in his office. Lloyd calls him a wuss, and he, he basically that's what spurs George into taking the step to to ask out Carol. And um, he, uh, I love that. He says that he's eating an apple when he asks her out. Yeah. <laughs> if you're on the phone, you're eating an apple, you're eating something, you sound more casual. And I'm like, that's <laughs> so funny. Only George would think that. Cause I'm I like, feel like Larry David probably actually thinks that too. That's probably how that made that in there. A hundred percent. Cause I'm thinking to myself, whenever I eat while I'm on, it always annoys the other person. They're like, do you want to just finish your, your meal? And you could talk later instead of chewing in my ear. <laughs> I think there's also something to that. I feel like I've felt that in my way in my life too, where it's just like something you're nervous about. You're like, I don't know. What if I was eating an apple? Would that make it like it's it distracting in a way almost? I don't know. Probably. Casual. Yeah. I think it probably makes you not focus in on what you like the, the multitasking of it might make you not care so much. I don't know. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Um. So when they go on their dates, 
Yeah, George and Jerry both have a date on Saturday night. Jerry's dating Donna, and George is going out with Carol. Who botched the date worse? Um, I don't know. <laughs> actually, now I was going to say George, but uh, I don't know, actually, because it seems like both of them never really got got where they were trying to go because uh they both ruined it i feel like i mean jerry got closer i guess he got they were back at his house and the the thing i think i feel like jerry this is where you're really starting to see him become the jerry you know where he's so particular and so like yeah honestly dude you're you're, yeah like you're you're obnoxious at this point where it's like i don't know if i could look at a person who likes who likes something i don't you know in high fidelity there's that i don't know if it's in the book or if it's in the movie but it's like it's not what you're like it's what you like that will make yeah, me yeah, tolerate yeah. you and i feel like jerry is really showing those colors now because yeah he, I think she's so. leaning into him she's basically saying like can we just i, yeah. I came to your house <laughs> she came to his house she's getting romantic they briefly mentioned uh the doc he oh he's talking about his khaki pants yeah and he goes, why do I wear these? They're not comfortable. I don't like them. And she, they talk about that, the Cotton Dockers commercial. Right. And Jerry says he doesn't like, he thinks it's so stupid. She says she likes it very innocently. Like, I like it. And then it turns into a whole thing where he just can't get over it. You like that commercial? Yeah. He, put, he thinks he, it's clever. He cock blocks himself. Clever? Yeah, he literally does. Yeah. Um, whereas George and is she just keeps trying to go back to like, let's just drop it. And she puts her arm back around him. Like, let's snuggle and like, you know, get more intimate. And he just... I just can't believe you like that. <laughs> George is just a nitwit who is just George like, is very Costanza though. That's a perfect extent Costanza thing. And I feel like that's also maybe something Larry David actually did where uh, Carol, everything went well. He's talking about, <laughs> in pure Costanza fashion, he's talking about uh, the amount of underwear he has. If he's not talking about toilet paper <laughs> or manure, he's talking about, um he has 40 pairs of underwear because he doesn't like doing laundry and his goal is to have over 360 pairs of underwear so he only has to do a, a wash once a year and yeah. she's loving it she's, she's she's actually really nice and sweet this carol girl she re- yeah where does he know her from like where did he say uh, he met her i think like um i don't know if she was in his office or i don't think he says how he met her but um he was talking to her and he was gonna ask her out and that guy lloyd said challenged her to ask her out um, oh, that's right i don't know she just um she's actually like she's really cute she's lovely like she's actually a really good fit like for if george wanted a really nice actual because even throughout the whole episode when you see her again she's so like forgiving and nice and polite and um lo- a good sense of humor it seems like <laughs> she, george, she invites george up for coffee and he says i can't drink coffee this late i i can't sleep and she goes, oh, okay, all right. And she leaves, and uh, George realizes as he's uh, sitting in the driver's seat, ah, she would, she didn't mean cough. Yeah, and I like his, his. I don't know if it's his. Uh, this is where he goes. Costanza does his Woody Allen side, where he can't live with himself. He's taking an antacid. He's having Pepto Bismol. Oh, yeah. Like he's just swigging it back because that's yeah, next time we see him at Jerry's, he's he's got Pepto Bismol and he's making an Alka Seltzer for himself. <laughs> <laughs> and he's and you you start to see like the uh the self-deprecatingness now come through where he can't even stand himself how could yeah, anybody else stand him? yeah the yeah the neuroses is that the right term yeah i think neuroses so, yeah. is coming out uh i like elaine's pep talk that she gives him 
I thought it was really cute to see her, but she was still funny. She found a way to be yeah. funny as she's talking to him. And then as he describes himself and everything that's wrong with him, what does she say to him? She goes, what did your parents do to you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a good little Easter egg to like, let you know yeah. what Costanza's parents, when they show up, what they'll be like. Um, there's a, this is kind of one of the first, I guess they mentioned before, but this is like, uh, again, one of my favorite parts of the series is that they all think Jerry is a not a good comedian. Or yes, bringing bits. <laughs> Kramer comes in with his bit to offer Jerry, and it's like, uh, what does he say? It's like, like if you notice, nobody in New York gets out of the way of ambulance anymore. Uh, uh, I don't know, like the, the way he does it is so. And then Jerry just goes, I, "I like to do my own material." And then when he Kramer goes, "That's as good as anything you do," <laughs> because well, Elaine's laughing. She's yeah. finding him humorous. He's doing an impression of Jerry telling this type of Jerry. I like, think he's just like a hack and it's like anyone can write this like, hey, did you ever notice? Type All the time. Even later I, I on. Love when, I love when Kramer goes. And if you notice in this episode, Kramer is looking like Kramer. Yeah. He's got the cardigan. He's got the green vintage shirt. He's yeah. starting to be the Kramer we know. The hair is getting a little bit more yeah. wiry. That's as cookie. good as anything you do, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually looked up and I watched the Cotton Dockers commercial. It's a real Cotton Dockers commercial. Is it as stupid as Jerry says it is? Uh, yeah. Did you like yeah. it? I thought it was very stupid, actually. You can go on, if you go on YouTube and just put in Cotton Dockers, it'll say Cotton Dockers Seinfeld. And it's literally, <laughs> it's the episode. It's, it's literally, you don't even see the guy's faces. It's just a bunch of shots of their khakis of them sitting around and talking and like he says, they're trying to like talk like it's they're clever. Um, it's an awful commercial. And if then it, I liked it, would it make or break this podcast? Would you be yeah, able to absolutely. podcast with someone like? <laughs> you should watch it. I'd like to know if you like that commercial. All Apparently, right. that was Jerry's bit. Jerry Jerry actually really didn't like that commercial, and that's why they wrote that in. I would. I don't find. I find Jerry to be a guy who doesn't really like much except a good joke. Like if yeah. something makes you laugh, he's he's in for it. But other than that, he doesn't find any. He doesn't like meeting people. He does. I don't like meeting like, people either. So that's that's why I relate. I I could <laughs> I could. <laughs> Have you ever? Jerry says to the, his date Donna, he's never watched an episode of I Love Lucy. Does he say it to her? Yeah, that's uh, he goes. I've never in my life. I've never seen an episode of I Love Lucy. Have you ever watched an episode of I Love Lucy? Yeah, of course. I mean, it used to be on TV. I just, I wonder if that's another true anecdote of, of Jerry's. No, no, no. He must be a fan. They talk about Lucy a bunch. And I think even in the end bit, he talks about, uh, he mentions Fred Mertz, who I think is, is that the neighbor on? Uh, yeah, I think so. Lucy? Fred. Yeah, I think so. so I, like, he's obviously a fan. Like, Jerry's a fan of all this old timey comedy stuff. Yeah, I think you're right. Lucy's like, Lucy's pretty influential, actually. Lucille Ball. Oh, yeah. You know extremely. She, she's the reason Star Trek exists. Yeah, I actually Her saw production a production company funded the first Star Trek. That's insane. It yeah, it's crazy the things you you stumble upon when you do like Quincy Jones documentary. Mm. Just seeing like, wow, he he did that. I, I would have never known that he did this as well as that. Like, geez. Yeah, yeah very cool. Well, but they later in the um uh what's the episode where um uh, the TV Guide one. What, what what's the episode there? Uh, where where Elaine takes Jerry's uh or Frank Costanza's TV, TV guys. Yeah, 
what's the name of that episode? I'm blanking hard now, but um, Ricky, the guy who Elaine meets on the subway and yeah. starts, he's reading the sign. He goes, Ooh, look on this uh, Tuesday, you could watch six hours of Lucy. It's like the Lucy show. I love Lucy. And then there's some other Lucy show, but it's like, I mean, they mentioned Lucy again. I think they're definitely Jerry's. I Jerry's seen Lucy for sure. I he can't grew, imagine him not. And Lucy must've been on the TV all the time. It probably it was one of the few things on the TV, right? Everybody watched yeah. I Love Lucy. Yeah. Is there a show that you haven't seen an episode of that is like super popular? Everyone's seen it, everyone's talked about it at least, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um <laughs> this this always pisses people off because you guys know I like to read Wikipedia of stuff, but <laughs> when Breaking Bad was on, everyone was talking about Breaking Bad all the time, and I, I didn't want to watch it, but I want to know what people are talking about. So I read every episode of Breaking Bad on Wikipedia. And then I watched the finale, the last episode with everyone when they're watching it. And it just made people so mad that I just, they were like, you're just not a real fan. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> oh my God. that you, That's a George Costanza for sure. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, maybe George Costanza would use Wikipedia. <laughs> and then go to the finale. I'm trying yeah. to think if there's a, a well-known show that I haven't seen one episode of. I remember Lost. Like, uh, I've never seen an episode never of Lost. Seen Lost. And I, I actually read that on Wikipedia. And it's I, I would use it actually as sort of ambient to help me get to sleep because... I don't know if you even know about Lost, but it starts. I, off, I know the premise. Oh, they're lost on an island, and then it just gets crazier and stupider. And they're literally just like, "Oh, what if there's a submarine?" And like, it just the plots become so dumb. Every character is stupid, and just by the so I remember like getting to the end, I was like reading Wikipedia. <laughs> I would sit there in bed, and I'm like, "I'm going to read the next episode of Lost to get through this," and I would just go to sleep. It would just put me to sleep. <laughs> so boring and stupid. So if you're okay. ever if you're ever interested in trying to count sheep, just uh, read Lost on Wikipedia. It's stupid as hell. I've never seen an episode. Okay, I've I will I haven't seen an episode of Lost either. That's one that everybody saw that was like in the zeitgeist of pop culture for a while. Be happy you didn't. Yeah. Why no, would I watch Lost when I could watch Seinfeld? <laughs> um. So yeah, I had the same notes as you. Everybody dismissing Jerry's career in this one. I like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> George leaving his first message, having to do it alone. I'm yeah, I like, like how he kicks everyone out of his their apartment, and Jerry gets kicked out of his own apartment. I do that too. Not kicking people out of my house, but I do like going into a room on my own to get into a phone conversation. I don't like calling people in front of other people. I, I can definitely why. relate to when George leaves that message and he just keeps putting his foot in his mouth. Yeah. And like, even I, just the bringing out, like, he's not cool at all. The like, I know coffee didn't mean coffee. And then, <laughs> well, you know, uh, the ball's <laughs> in your court. And like, you, you definitely, I'm like, I feel like every time in my life when I have had to leave a voicemail, I feel like that, like, I just like an idiot talking to a machine. Me too. I feel so stupid. I'm like, I forgot why I called you. What do I do? Do I leave? It's like, Oh, it's like an advertisement. I hate it. Yeah. Um, I do love him talking to Jerry at the diner again and telling him every message that he's yeah. left since. <laughs> well, don't keep over it. Elaine mentions, because so now he's not happy with the message he left. And Elaine mentions her brother-in-law. Oh, yes. Um, he said some business stuff he wasn't supposed to. And That's he, right. He went to the guy's house and met him that's and right. inside and switched the tape before he could listen to the message. So that's where they get the idea that George is going to do that. Well, he yeah, he now he it's 
three days later and George has left a message Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> um, and he's pissed off now and he's just getting worse. He's like a volcano. It's just spewing out of him. Um, who do you think you are? All that type of stuff. And then he, and then uh, Jerry goes, I can't believe she never called back. And he goes, she did today. She's been in the Hamptons since Sunday. <laughs> I love his last message. I want to have coffee one more time. Just so I can spit <laughs> it in your face. Yeah, I love that. You said that. And then Jerry almost agrees. I'm like, well, I don't know how she didn't call you back. <laughs> I think she deserved those messages. Yeah. Uh, as soon as he, and again, very true to Costanza that we know. This is the yeah. guy that, this isn't the guy who gets the stock tip. This is the Costanza we know. Yeah, exactly. This, Yeah, this is, we're, this is the Costanza. This is the Kramer we know. Elaine doesn't have much to do in this episode, but she's, she's, they're all starting to become the characters we know and love. Yeah. They're still very whiny and wussy in these se- this season, though. Like, George is very whiny in this this season. So far, yeah. But he's coming to his own. Like, this is, yeah. he's about to, like, spoilers, but he's going to now become the unemployed George that we all yeah. kind of know and adore, I, I guess. I do love that, Um, like, and Jerry goes kind of like, what's the plan? And like yeah. the golf ball in the Marine Biologist, he does, the punchline is literally he takes the tape out of his pocket Shows him the tape. Like that's that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do that plan. Yeah. Um, he convinces Jerry by triggering him. He's got a trigger word. He calls him a wuss too. He calls Jerry when when he gets called a wuss. When George got called a wuss, Jerry showed his. He called you a wuss. Yeah. Like you could see that it was something Marty that bothered. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a trigger word? Is there is there a a way to call out Shane? That if someone accuses you, no? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm not aware of it. I can't think if I have one. Because if there's something I just don't want to do, I'm like, whatever, I guess. I mean, if you if you came at me and told me I didn't know anything about Seinfeld, that might upset me. Ooh, there you go. You yeah, Seinfeld have, noob. Um, at work, there's a few people that they keep asking to join the trivia team and they want to do it. And I, I quiz and they don't know anything. And I keep telling them, I go, if you really want to come to trivia, start your own team and you'll see how awful you are and then why you can't be on the team. And sometimes they get pretty riled up and they try to, they try to use reverse psychology on me. They try to insult my uh, knowledge of, of no, Seinfeld. No, I, I do a Seinfeld podcast episodes with you and I wouldn't ask to join that team because <laughs> it's difficult. The questions you ask me are tough. I'm like, who's well, I'd paying say attention maybe, to that? Maybe some people just do it for fun and actually enjoy it. <laughs> that too, somewhat. No, but I, I can't think of a television show where I've watched reruns as often as I have for Seinfeld. But I the trivia you pay attention to, I'm like, geez, that's good, man. Yeah. So I don't got a trigger word. If there's something that I don't want to do, especially putting like, would you do this for me, Shane? What? Would you do me a solid like this and and run a shenanigans if I had to like go into someone's house and switch something out? Would you ever oh, do that? Sure, I love a good caper. <laughs> What's have you ever done a caper? I don't know if I've ever pulled off a caper like this. I'm trying to think, but I'm for sure. I used to be a lot more fun and adventurous, and we used to get up to a lot of stupid stuff. I know in um, school, like in in school, I did stuff like this where you like sneak in, switch the paper, do you know, like put to be a book honest, back. I feel like I'm forgetting my own life now. I'm so in in ensconced in, in Seinfeld <laughs> trivia. <laughs> Like velvet, yeah. I'm in constant <laughs> velvet. I, I feel like I'm forgetting. Like when you ask me about my own life, I'm like, oh my god, I don't remember life. 
I that, remember only Seinfeld. I live in the Seinfeld world. So that's why I want to, these questions are f- that Seinfeld and George go through, like the characters, it's like, you know what? It's funny because we've all had those moments in some way or another, right? Yeah. So it's good. It's a good opportunity to reflect because I'm sure we'll have some interesting stories to tell along the way. But again, these guys are madmen and women, the things they do, but they pull it off. <laughs> well, we are kind of skipping Jerry's bit. Too, oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Which I think is great. I, I actually really like both the, the girls that George and Jerry date in this. Donna, Cotton Dockers, Donna. Oh, yes. That that we got to get into that whole mess yeah. up between That's him and Jerry. His and then they're talking about Lucy. And then she goes, Is there anything else I need to know about you? And he goes, Yes, I'm lactose intolerant. That's right. I that's right. Cannot stand lactose. And I will not, uh, uh, <laughs> something like that. What does he say? Oh, I forget. I have no patience for lactose and I will not stand for it, which is like, <laughs> Jerry's obviously not lactose intolerant. He has milk in his house and he eats yogurt, but I think it's, it's a funny joke. Yeah. Yeah. That's Jerry. Uh, Jerry's very good. Like as it goes on, like Jerry's little jokes, he does flirting with women is, is actually, I think he's pretty good at it. No, I think he is too. He knows how to, his character becomes more confident in being able to talk yeah. to women. It's something. Yeah. He is in the first season again, not the Jerry you kind of, for him to botch his own date yeah at this point for him to be like this she's a beautiful woman she's leaning on him clearly like she wants it to go down and he's like you know what i don't i don't need this in my life (laughs) basically i don't need to be around somebody who likes that commercial i feel like it's like he's (laughs) in the moment he just can't uh, understand that how she would like it and he's not thinking about ruining the date he's thinking that I'm going to convince her to admit that she doesn't like it. And then right. we'll go back to the date. Right, right that's, right. that's what's happening in his mind, I think. Is there a make or break? So could you date somebody who didn't like Seinfeld? Um, I'm thinking my girlfriend's starting to not like Seinfeld. But that's only because you love it so much. No, um, I think, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would. I honestly don't think I could date someone if they if they just wouldn't watch it at all. They weren't. Like, my girlfriend, she'll watch with me. It's not her favorite. But, uh, you know, she'll watch a couple episodes and then kind of go do something else. But she finds it funny. She does enjoy it a little bit. But I, I don't think I could, actually. If, if you just hated Seinfeld, because I'm and now at this point I'm mentally ill and I'm so involved in Seinfeld's mostly what i talk about all the time so you I think embody all four characters you got a little bit of all of them in you <laughs> yeah i think i think they would have to at least enjoy it a little bit um what so in this case she likes something that jerry detests what would be like the reverse if if somebody liked was there anything that's like you like that it's like oh i can't i can't deal with you oh i'm fucking fraser man for real yeah i hate fraser I, you really hate Frasier? Yes, I hate Frasier. I think it's the worst show on earth. And it upsets me that uh, Seinfeld was the best show. And then they started giving fucking Frasier all these Grammys or Emmys or whatever those, those like, uh, because as if it's like a clever, smarter show. Frasier's not smarter than fucking Seinfeld. Seinfeld's the best fucking show. Right. Listen, I agree with you, but I think Frasier was a good show as well. I don't hate Frasier. I but, hate Frasier. And I've so, met the dog. Would you watch? So you'd watch Friends over Frasier? Oh, yeah. Friends, I don't love Friends, but I mean, there's some good friends. Okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah. No, Frasier's awful. So if, if a girl you were interested in, hypothetically, 
said, my favorite show is Frasier. I hate Seinfeld. That's it. 100%. Even if she was like tolerant of Seinfeld, but she was just kind of like, you know, she'd be like, we're going to watch some Frasier tonight. I'd be like, (laughs) absolutely not. Like, I don't, I don't want to. You like this? How could you like this? I would sit there and I would just be like, this is the fucking stupidest show. Every time I've seen Frasier, I'm like, the show is so fucking stupid and pretentious and up its own ass. (laughs) It's not funny. All right. Okay. I'm finding you funny right now. I like your reaction. There's your trigger word. What are you, a Frasier fan? That's what's going to get you. <laughs> How dare you? Don't you ever, don't you ever say that again. All right. So you would do a caper like this for me. I appreciate that. But getting uh, in back- my younger days, I don't think I would do a caper like this. Then I don't care enough about anything anymore. I'm, I'm an old man. I'm an old crotchety man. <laughs> do you have friends like George? Okay. So getting back to the point that you brought, you were bringing us back to uh, Jerry's second date with Donna. And immediately George puts the dirty laundry out there and then it's going well, it's going well. He goes to the bathroom. George (laughs) comes on in, doesn't realize Donna's there and he goes, Oh, I'll come back. She goes, no, no, you can stay. Introduce himself. She's really lovely actually. Yeah. Uh, And then he goes, uh, Oh, Donna. He goes, Oh, you're the one that likes the cotton doctors commercial. (laughs) What a goof. I feel like Jerry's very rational about this too, whereas she's kind of like, I can't believe you told him that. And he's just like, so what if I did? Like, who cares? It's like, I do agree with Jerry. I I, I don't disagree with him. I think she's, I do like that. That when he tells George, he goes, he goes, no, I think it's, I think it makes sense that I would tell my friends. I don't know why my friends would tell you. (laughs) I know that's pretty good. That was really good. (laughs) And I love that. They, they, They do this a lot in the show, but Kramer, they come in and Kramer does the, like, he just doubles down on that and just goes like, just like, hey, I'm done. Ah, cotton dockers. And, and Kramer's also like always not remorseful about it, too. So we're like, as she's like storming out leaving, Kramer's going, cotton dockers, 100% cotton. If they're not 100% cotton dockers, then they're just pants. Yeah. Which is literally when you watch the commercial, that's what it ends at. For them to For them to have written this in two days, they really were firing on all cylinders for yeah. one, the like, Kramer is is at peak performance here, especially with that interaction yeah. there. It's perfect. They got the humor right on that one. Uh yeah. Does that was Kramer a good. Have, Kramer doesn't really have a plot in this, does he? Does he have his own storyline in this? I don't think. I so. don't think so. No, I don't think so. Even Elaine doesn't really. She just. I mean, I, I, there's a thing recently going around that Julia Lou Dreyfus is talking about that she. She told in this era, she told Larry and, and, and Jerry to write her more. She wanted to be more involved in the episodes because they were like, like they admitted, they said to themselves, they're like, we don't know how to write women so that they didn't really write a lot for her. So that's why her plots are very small, but like she'll start to get more and more. But like she apparently she went to them and said, give me more to do because you're not writing me enough in these shows. Yeah. There was a couple times where I think, I don't know if it happened to all three of the supporting cast. Yeah. But the one the the Chinese restaurant episode, Kramer's yeah. not in it. And he basically said, you're never doing that again or I'm not on the show. No, no, no. You're thinking of the pen where uh, Jason. George. Alexander yes. One of he, them. He stormed up to Larry David and said, don't ever write me out of the show again. Because at this point, George is in every episode except for the pen. Right. Yes. There was one one something like that. Yeah. No, Kramer in the in the Chinese restaurant, they're still writing Kramer as kind of like a shut in. So he's that's why he's not there. But I mean, that episode, imagine Kramer was in that Chinese restaurant. It'd be even funnier. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. 
but i think at this point too they're writing like at this point you're you're looking at like tv shows had a a, a funny neighbor character but they weren't main characters they just show up a little bit like kramer's doing here but i think you remember watching that show like empty nest or you know i don't know like um or, or like a growing pains you'd have like you know mike's friends come around as these characters like they weren't or a kimmy gibbler on full house like they weren't part of the main cast so i think at this wilson point, like, right yeah they're, home thinking improvement. Of, they're thinking of kramer as um he's just a guy that shows up once in a while and says something funny yeah, but yeah. then he becomes everyone. He's so popular. He becomes one of the iconic four, right? Like at this right. point, they're almost writing it. Like it's just a show about George and Jerry. Yeah. He hasn't even left his apartment. You haven't seen him leave his apartment yet. He yeah. did go to the Nick game with Joel Hornick, but you that's true. It, but he comes back from the Nick game with Joel Hornick. But yeah, they like Kramer's just barely in these episodes. And I think it's just, he becomes so popular that they're like, yeah, it's unavoidable. Gonna, it's too much gold. It's be these yeah. four characters and they all become amazing and unique in their own way. So, uh, should we, should we skip back to what's her name? Car- not Carla, Carol, Carol. Carol's Carol. apartment. Carol's. I was adding out. There's a lot of Carol's throughout the series, Is which makes sense. Cause Carol Leifer is one of the writers on the show. She's, I think a lot of the lane stuff's based on her. So, uh, okay. I don't know. There's like, Multiple times throughout the series, there's a character named Carol. Okay. But yeah, George is uh, Carol. She's back now. George is meeting her, and they're going to meet her out front of her apartment. Jerry's going to be there to switch the tape. George is going to distract her, and 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 Jerry's going to switch the tape. What's their signal word? Tippy-toe, tippy-toe. Tippy-toe, tippy-toe. No, tippy-toe is no good. We need a... We'll sing. Well, how about a song? What does George suggest? I forget. This is two episodes in a row, and George is very... Yeah, music. he is. Uh, George, uh, how do you solve a problem like Maria? <laughs> and uh, I looked it up. I didn't know what that was. It's um, the song's actually called Maria, but it's a uh, it, it's a song from uh, The Sound of Music. Oh, okay. Maria von Trapp. And I watched the video of today. These nuns are singing. How do you solve a problem like Maria? Jerry doesn't know it. He says that's no good. And Jerry suggests Lemon Tree uh, by Peter Paul and Mary. No, no, Trini Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those two, they're so good. I listened uh, to Lemon Tree. I I think. Uh, I mean, it's your show. You can edit it how you want. I think at the end, it would be nice if you end the show with Lemon Tree by Trini Lopez. Done. Play it. It'd be great. If I could find it's it. It's a done. fun song. It just go on YouTube. It's Trini Lopez. No problem. It's not a, it's, it's a nice song. What the heck you are? Um, Lemon Tree. So it turns out that the whole caper was for naught. Ultimately. Yeah, well, George, I mean, I love <laughs> you went into her in front of the building, and this is like, I love this because they have to, they just have to keep lying, and none of their lies are taking. Carol's just like <laughs> immune to them. She doesn't suspect anything, but she just like has an answer for why that's not going to work. Like, so logical. Don't you want to go upstairs? No, no, let's go for dinner now. I'll just leave my bag with the doorman. Um, well, uh, uh, George has to make a call. Oh, well, they, oh, no, Jerry has to use the washroom. No, he has to make a call. There's a phone at the thing. There's a phone there. There's a public washroom there. And she pulls aside and says, Jerry has a a phobia about public (laughs) And so she nicely just goes, okay, yeah, let's go upstairs. And And she doesn't make him feel uncomfortable. Like, she's so lovely, too. She's actually great. Like, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be funny if George just had a nice, normal girlfriend. But as far as, like, women that you meet, this, this girl, Carol, seems like a real catch. Yeah, for sure. She, she's lovely uh, they go upstairs <laughs> to her apartment uh, she's gonna check her machine but then um uh, jerry oh no, jerry she says jerry the washroom's there jerry says uh you go first 
She goes, oh, no, I don't have to go. And he goes, uh, oh, actually, it, it went away, which is not <laughs> the thing that happens. The fact that it's she's happened so naive, to me before, too. Like, she's not even suspecting that anything weird is going on here. She just so innocently just being like, yeah, these two guys, sure. They're, they're, they're nice, normal people. <laughs> I'm just thinking of George trying to cajole her to take her to the. Yeah. I need to tell you something. Like, yeah. please, Carol, let's can't wait. I need and to- he, Jerry almost gets <laughs> caught switching the tape because she comes out and she goes, I recognize you from the Tonight Show. And then what's George goes, that's very rude. And then he brings her back in. <laughs> and what is what is Jerry switches the tape? And what is it that George had to tell her? Your father wears sneakers in the pool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's perfect. It's there's such a- also there's a call back to that <laughs> later because I can't remember what episode. But later on in the series, they mentioned that Frank Costanza wears sneakers <laughs> in the pool. It's per- no, that's what's funny too, because you think of who George's dad is later, and you're like, "Yeah, that that <laughs> would be something he would do." But the lies that George has to come up with, yeah, <laughs> no, it was great. And then and then it was for for nothing the whole time. Yeah, you find out that uh, she called her neighbor, and her neighbor played her messages for her, and not only was she not offended, she thinks she thinks it's funny. She thought it was hilarious. George was doing a bit. She loves good jokes like that. Oh, yeah, and she likes stand-up comedy because she's yeah. seen Jerry's show, right? That's what I mean. This girl's a great catch, man. I forgot about this Carol character. She's all that. And one she that just got away. Off. George, she cussed her out, and she laughed it off. She's just a normal, nice human being. Yeah, both the girls in this were, they got shortchanged. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Giddy-ups? I think I'm going to give it a 6.5, same as uh, same as the last episode. Yeah, both of them are pretty solid. I think uh, the pony remark onward so far has been a steady. We're at I don't know if plateau is the word, but we're we're staying at an altitude. It's not dropping. This is the first episode where George mentions a vault, putting it in the vault. That's right. I'm a vault. You know that. That's the because the vault is becomes a thing on Seinfeld. It's iconic with Seinfeld putting right. in the vault. Uh, that's right. The first time they mentioned the vault. Uh, this is the last episode where Jerry's apartment number is 3A. Oh. From now on, strange. it will be 5A for the rest of the series. Now we're now we're off to the races. We're into 5A apartment. Um, just... What I read was this episode was so poorly rated that they put it on a hiatus for two months, and they almost canceled the show. Wow. People were not. And then now I'm reading about it. They got the Nelson ratings. You know how many people watched this show at the time? They said it was a, a failure. Probably 2 million. 13 million people watched. Holy. And that was considered a failure. Jeez. But I mean, at the time, no one had internet. We we're all, just, everyone just watched TV. So that's what you did, right? So 13 million, there's like, when you think about it now, like, you you know, you watch like, um, like Leno and Letterman and Carson, everyone used to watch those shows. But now you look at like Kimmel and Fallon, these late night shows, like they're lucky if they get a million people to watch at night. There's no way like. Oh, you know, Yeah. Like everything's all about internet now because people, young people just don't, especially the demographic 18 to 35, yeah. they don't sit and watch TV like they used to. Everything's There's just too much to watch. Yeah, for sure. Or you just don't watch live TV. You you put on Netflix or Apple. Absolutely. Or There's whatever, just too right? many so, options. But I mean, 13 million and that's bad sounds crazy. I know. Like CNN these days would love to have 13 million people watch anything of theirs, right? Like No kidding. Yeah, it it's true. It's uh, the the market is just so different now. Even when you think of like comic book sales back in those days, a, a bad selling comic book was would be today like number one. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, um, it's so different. Yeah, so yeah, they they put it on hiatus and it uh, they almost canceled the show. I guess that's why when they came back, maybe the set changed slightly. That's why Jerry finally became the five A. Um, mm. I this was I didn't think I think this was a pretty good episode. I mean, but I think it, it ages well when you know the show. Well, they said when they brought it back, they put it back in the original time slot they had for it, which was um, right after Cheers, which is having a good lead-in show. Like everyone was, Cheers was the biggest show at the time, right? Right. So this following Cheers makes sense that it would pick up steam, just like a lot of other shows tried to. They put them on after Seinfeld in the future, right? To to get the the lead in, and then there's the joke about later in the series on season nine where Ken Banya's. Using Jerry as the lead in, he needs the that's that's the 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 remark on it. Yeah, um, I'm not sure exactly of the time, but I think this is our longest episode. We're almost at two hours. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So maybe we'll split this in two. Make this a. It's up to you. Yeah, but this is a good one. These episodes are getting good. They're getting good. Um, There's a lot to unpack. See. Oh, and then we also didn't talk about though the the episode they didn't air the bet. The reason they had to come up with this on on the fly. What was the episode? Was it the one that became Master so of Your Domain? So there's an episode, the bet that they wrote and they casted, and they they never shot because um, nobody wanted to do it. They thought it was too heavy. It's a, a Jerry bets Elaine that uh, um, she's she won't buy a gun, and she ends up buying a gun from a friend of Kramer's. And uh, apparently she makes a joke where she puts the gun to her head and says something about like, should I be like McKinley or Kennedy? Like the two presidents that were assassinated. And Ugh. she, and, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus said, this is, I'm not doing this. We're not shooting this. Like fucked. Yeah. Uh, so they scrapped the, and then the other plot is that Kramer comes back from Puerto Rico and he says that he hooked up with a flight attendant on the plane and Jerry and George bet to find out whether he actually did it or not. They don't think he did, or one of them thinks he did. Those um, don't sound like Seinfeld episodes. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe the Kramer thing, but... Maybe I mean, the Kramer thing, but The, it the just... guns were just like um, Tom Sharones, who was the director of the time, and Julia and Jerry, they all went to... I think the, the writer was Larry Charles, and they went to Larry Charles and just said, like, we don't think guns are funny. Um, and that's why they scrapped it. Yeah. No, that's fair. It, it's a... Even the Lane's joke... Would have been there is. Weird. I did find out. Um, Ernie Sabella is the guy who sells Elaine the gun. He is later. You they I guess they cast him again because he was so funny. They use him as the naked man on the subway. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But he's Got originally it. that actor. Um, he he's the one who's who, who I guess is Kramer's friend that sells Elaine a gun. Right. I like that actor. He's good. He's great. I remember him from uh, Saved by the Bell, the beach. The, yes, that's the, right. He was, he was the Leah Romani's dad. That's right. Yes. And I think he was in Friends. He made an appearance in Friends for some time. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, like, they're really good at just finding these. I like, think he's stuff. Joey's dad. I think he played Joey's dad in Friends. Oh, yeah? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I can see that. He's a funny character. He is. He's a good character actor. For... I'm, glad, I'm glad they brought him back, actually. Yeah. What a way to use them. <laughs> um, okay. Season two, episodes three and four wrapped up. 6.5 giddy ups each. Yeah. Shane, always a blast. Uh, everybody listening, don't forget to rate and review the show. Subscribe wherever you're listening to a, whatever podcast platform you're on. Shane, any last parting words? Just go watch Seinfeld. Yeah, definitely. Go watch Seinfeld. Giddy These up. were good episodes. Giddy up. All right, dude, we'll be back soon. 
uh, with more Seinfeld coverage. Maybe we're getting to the point where we're going to do one episode at a time because they're yeah, these are good. These are good. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm down for that. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening, Shane. As always, take care. Talk to you soon, pal. Bye, bastards. Bye.